from your MBA, you know, you do these case studies and you hear about these great successful companies and you think, wow, they had a great plan and it was all structured really well and there's a certain ethos and these people, didn't they do a great job? And then you come back into the real world and think, well, it's all a bit messy, right? Where, where are the great plans? Where are the four by four matrices? Welcome to the MBA Jam podcast with your host, Avinash Bajaj. Hi folks, welcome to another episode of the MBA Jam. Avinash over here. Today we are talking to someone who is not only very successful and popular in his line of work, but he's also one of the most helpful and likable people I know. Unless you've been living under a rock, especially in UK and Europe, it's very unlikely that you haven't heard of today's guest, Mark Abraham, in the product management space. Let me share some very interesting stats. On LinkedIn, Mark has 90 endorsements in the product management area. Mark has received 32 recommendations and most are quite lengthy ones. That shows that people are willing to write a lot of good, good words about Mark. He's got 5,000 plus followers on LinkedIn. And of course, Mark posts some amazing articles on his blog, Medium and on LinkedIn. Mark is almost like a celebrity. <laughs> and he's also someone who comes across as a very natural mentor. He always has something valuable to contribute whenever I've spoken to him. I first came across Mark when I wanted to run a product management workshop at Imperial College London for MBA students. And Mark was one of the first ones to respond with a yes. And he absolutely smashed it. The students loved him and his session. Not sure if I ever mentioned that to you, Mark. <laughs> Mark is currently the head of product at World First. He's been working in product management for a long time now. What was really surprising for me was that Mark started his career as a corporate lawyer before he found his calling in product management. Mark has done an MBA from University of Durham, so we will obviously talk a lot more about that in the show. Mark, welcome to the show. Thanks, Avinash. Thanks for having me, and thanks for, uh, for, for all those words. I don't know what to say in response to the introduction, but thank you. <laughs> no, no worries at all. Mark, how would you like to describe your journey in your own words? So, so I think the journey, just uh, to keep it you know, very short to begin with, I think adventure um, is probably the first word that comes to mind. If you think about, as you said, I started my professional career as a corporate lawyer working in Amsterdam in the Netherlands where I'm from originally as a uh, as someone focused on M&A transactions particularly uh, to now being a head of product I've been in product manage- management for about seven years or so um, that's you know it's been it's been quite an adventure it's been quite a journey uh, with lots of kind of surprises but I think to the other point that you made up I, I do think I've, I've really found my calling in, in product management it's 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 really a great role for me and maybe we can talk a bit more uh, about that later yeah great great perfect so so how how did the transitions happen through your career mark so so you did your law degree and then you started working in in law right after that and what did you do after you started working in law and why didn't you continue with law yeah, it's 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 a it's a good and, and, and very logical question, that, you know. And I'm sure I disappointed a lot of people in my immediate surroundings. Were like, why don't you go all the way to partnership and, uh, you know, finish off what you started? Basically, I think the first starting point was that I didn't even necessarily decided that I didn't want to continue with law, but you know, I'd been working as that 
like I said, a corporate lawyer for about four years. And I just realized, particularly when you work in that corporate space and focus on M&A, I always felt I was a bit late to the party when it came to, to M&A transactions. So the deal had already been done and the interesting negotiations had already been taking place for most part. And then I and, and my colleagues would come in to do the due diligence, to do the share transactions and, and, and effectively write up and, and, and work out what had already been discussed. And I particularly felt that that kind of, that first stage of, you know, doing the kind of commercial explorations, understand the business side of deals, um, which obviously goes way beyond the kind of legal side of things, uh, I was missing out on. And that's what prompted me to do an MBA uh, in the first place. So it wasn't even with the idea of, you know, this is it. I'm done with law. I'm never going to go back to it. It was more that kind of, you know, inherent curiosity, having been exposed to some of that kind of, you know, the more business side of things, if you like, to, to do more with that. And I thought, you know, at the time that doing an MBA would be, you know, a good step in the right direction. I see. I see. So, so you did your law degree and then you started working in law and yeah. then you got exposed to the business side of things, uh, which, which naturally comes um, probably as a corporate lawyer. And then, and that's when you figured that a business degree uh, will uh, will, will probably help you understand more about where you want to go. Correct, exactly that. I see. It's it's very interesting because, to be honest, when I started off, it wasn't um, extremely different. Of course, for me, it was engineering. Uh, the only difference is uh, I, after I did my engineering degree, I started working as an engineer, and that's when I realized I was so bad at it. <laughs> <laughs> and and that's when I, I, I started off um, a side project or side business with a couple of friends, and then I realized, hang on, I'm pretty good at that, and that's the reason I did my MBA. Uh, of course, at that that point, I had no idea about this field called, you know, product management. And from what I see, it's not like after business you got after business degree you went into product management as a field, right? What did you do after that? Yeah, so that's when the adventure, like I mentioned, for really kicked off. Because you know the thing, so you know, like I mentioned before, before I started doing my MBA, I didn't have a preconceived idea that I was going to abandon the law and not come, you know, return to my job as a um, as a lawyer, that understanding, that realization came probably halfway throughout my MBA where I thought if I want to use any of the kind of new things that I picked up during the course, and don't forget in my case, everything was new from, you know, subjects around marketing or HR to, you know, doing accounting and, and all that kind of stuff, everything was new. Um, and I felt like if I want to do, you know, continue in any of this stuff and use any of the kind of new tools and techniques and, and things that I've, I've learned during this course, I can't go back to law because I'll probably go back into, you know, something very interesting, but still very narrow compared to some of the things I was learning as part of my MBA. So that, that was the first step, I guess, in that journey to say, you know, law is not going to be it for me when I, when I finish my MBA. But then came the $1 million question, which was, so what do we do next? <laughs> Um, which basically meant uh, a lot of coffees with people, uh, mostly in London. And, you know, initially a bit of a kind of wild goose chase where you go like, so where to start? You know, I've made up my mind that law is not it for me anymore. But what do I do next? If I want to change career, why? What kind of career? Where do I start? Is there any, is that even possible? Um, so I spent a lot of time looking into um, 
potential opportunities. Uh, a bit like you said, I looked at internships as well, not necessarily startups per se, but slightly bigger companies. So I went to big car manufacturing companies, you know, do these kind of graduate schemes for, for MBA students. But I also wasn't sure about those because it felt, you know, like not sure if I wanted to go back to just being an intern for however many, many years. Because, um, you know, obviously by that stage, I'd already been working for about four years and been studying and all the rest of it. And I started forming a picture of what was possible and what would be a, a good kind of next step for me. Like I said, through um, lots of coffees, you know, not only with recruiters, but also people who are just happy to help, you know, friends from friends and who then introduced me to friends and then other friends, I should say. And um, so effectively, I started building up a network. And what quickly dawned on me that the, the most logical next step was to stay in professional services. Um, so I did, for instance, I did a few days of um, work experience, actually, at a big uh, law firm in, um, in London just to get a feel for professional services, uh, which is obviously the world that I came from as a, as a lawyer, but not as a lawyer this time, but more in the kind of field of marketing and business development. Because again, my simple thinking was, those are some of the things that I've learned and been exposed to as part of my MBA. So it makes sense to maybe start the journey there. And and that was a good experience, you know, not just the, the, the work experience that I did for a few days, but also meeting people in that field uh, it, it helped me to, to, to focus a bit more, to really reach out to um, law firms, accounting firms, um, applying for jobs, you know, making connections and all the rest of it. And that's how I got my first job, um, even whilst I was doing my MBA, would you believe it or not, uh, to uh, start as a kind of marketing and business development executive for a uh, big accounting firm in London. I see. I see that. That's very interesting. What What were the options you were considering? So, you know, when when you started off your MBA, did you start off with a mindset saying, "Hey, these are the career options I will consider, and I will actively start exploring in these areas," or or did you did you say, "Look, I'm going to keep my mind blank and let's see what I learn and let's see what I where I want to apply those learnings." What was going on in your mind? I wish I could have said to you, "Yes, I had a very well detailed plan and everything went according to plan because I knew exactly on day one <laughs> what I wanted." But that would be a total and utter lie. Uh, I kept kept my mind open, uh, partly out of choice, but also partly because everything was so new to me. I didn't know what to expect from the MBA. Yes, I've got. The, I had this idea of, you know, based on my research and stuff of what kind of subjects I would be learning about, but you know, content wise and, and opportunity wise, I didn't have any idea whatsoever. Um, like I said, I really started shaping that and, and a lot of that started coming together throughout my MBA and throughout a, a lot of conversations, as I mentioned. Absolutely, no, absolutely. And to be honest, it's not completely, um you know, uh, of an unknown situation. <laughs> if anyone who's been listening to a, a, a lot of episodes on this show will realize that that's actually a very common theme across, you know, a lot of speakers who come over here. That was very common with me as well. So when I applied for the MBA, I, I had a very general idea where I want to go. But of course, a lot of things change while you're actually doing it. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, absolutely. And like I said, I'd love to to have said to you, yeah, even a general idea would have been great, but I didn't. Like I said, you know, going back to law was definitely an option at that stage. 
Um, and it was interesting to see when I, you know, think back of the people in my cohort, there were a few people like me who were just completely open-minded. Some other people did have some specific career trajectories in mind or, you know, specific promotions that they were gunning for. Um, so we had a real good mix and it was, you know, equally interesting to talk to those people who did have more of a kind of set plan. Yeah, yeah, absolutely fair enough. So why MBA? Why not, you know, any other master's degree? Why not just master's in, in, in business studies? I mean, just to, you know, get, get your view, why MBA specifically? I just... I just felt that with an MBA, you know, I would get a real broad kind of palette of subjects and, and uh, that I would be exposed to. But the other thing I felt that the kind of people I'd be exposed to and be working with, that would be a, a real enrichment of, of, my, of my network, but also just life experience almost. And I know those are kind of grand phrases to say, well, life experience and stuff, but it is, you know, when you come when you've been working in the legal profession and you've been studying to become a lawyer, obviously you all the time working with a, you know, certain type of people, fairly like-minded spirits. And, uh, suddenly you're in an MBA with people who just come out of the army, you know, high ranks, obviously, or people who've done completely different things to what I've been doing up to that stage. And I found that in itself, very refreshing people from different cultures, different backgrounds, different plans, different situations, uh, which was something I was actively looking for, as well as, like I said, the kind of breadth of uh, a typical MBA curriculum and the opportunities that would come out of the MBA. I see. I see. Very, very interesting. Oh, okay, great. So after that, uh, you started working in business development and marketing, as you mentioned. Uh, what happened after that? Yeah, so I just, I, I got to the point, so I worked, probably I did that role for about two, three years, something like that, and I, I got to that point where I thought, this is great, because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm learning new things, I actually got involved in rolling out a, a company-wide CRM system, which was interesting, so that probably, if you like, was my first exposure to more digital kind of product development, and training people up on that, and, you know, just understanding how to improve that system and, 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 and developing things more iteratively. And I just realized that I wanted to do more of that. I wanted to break out of professional services because obviously I realized that things like digital product development uh, wasn't the core of what most professional services are about. I know that will be changing, but definitely at the time that wasn't the case. Um, so I just, I was keen to get out of professional services, get into digital. I just felt that that's where it was at. And we're talking about um, 2009, roughly, um, where I started feeling that urge. Um, and, and that's what I did. Um, you know, when I say that's what I did, make it sound a lot easier than in reality it was because uh, it was a very big jump, probably even bigger jump than going from being a corporate lawyer to being a business development and marketing person at an accounting firm. Getting from professional services uh, into digital was probably the hardest thing. Because mm. uh, typically, as you probably well know, most people who get digital roles, particularly in more kind of development and design areas, are people who are ex-engineers or are engineers or have a you know background in that kind of space or, you know, have a design degree or master in computer science. I didn't have anything, <laughs> you know, I had my MBA, but most of that. And, and then if you looked at my CV, it just shouted professional services. 
at you, understandably so. So one of the things I did whilst I was still in my day job at this accounting firm was starting to do a lot of pro bono work. So working for free for both startups um, and more established companies. And I always treated that as a, as a bit of a win-win situation. So uh, the, the, the companies and startups that I worked with would get you know some free help and free expertise in areas like you know legal, uh, marketing and, 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 and business development, you know, developing business cases, that kind of stuff. Whilst for me, it was a great opportunity to, to build up my network in the, in the digital space, which is, as I said, the area that I wanted to enter into uh, and to, to really demonstrate my value uh, to people in that space. I see, I see, I see. Very, very interesting. So, so you're almost doing pro bono work just as a way of transitioning from one, yeah. Um, yeah, career option to another career option, professional services. How how do you think it is at the moment? Do you think the lines are more blurred now? Because I, I know at one point of time, there was like a massive difference between professional services and, you know, this other world uh, of, of smaller scale um, companies. How about right now? Now the fact that you know the lot of movement is happening between the two fields. What's your thought? Are the lines more blurred now? Yeah, they probably are a bit more blurred. But I think the reality you'll find, and I see it even myself when I look at CVs and I speak to candidates. If I have to choose between someone who's had some experience working in some digital capacity or another compared to someone who's just been, you know, a lawyer for however many years or just working in professional services, it's a completely different world. Most cases, you know, my preference will be, and obviously a lot will depend on the, on the people I speak to and their characters, will be on someone who's got some some starting points in, in the kind of more digital space. So yes, I think it's probably more blurred than it was when I was trying to make this move. And it took me at least a year of doing pro bono work on top of my day job to broker it. Uh, so probably now would be a bit easier, but the longer I think still you've spent in one sector, and particularly some things as, as different still um, professional services compared to, to digital, it's still not going to be the easiest thing to do. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, completely agreed. Great. So, so from there, um, did you start going to these formal product management roles after that? No. So the the first step was again because it took a while to get my break into digital, and initially just as a project manager, effectively, mostly working on agency side, client side uh, as well. I did that probably for about two years, roughly, maybe a bit more. Because, um, again, that was quite a logical extension, um, especially at the time product management in the UK wasn't that established. Um, and project management was, yeah, felt like more of a logical extension, basically, of, of what I've been learning uh, during my MBA. Um, I remember my first role, which was an, as, as an agency. We kept it quite open-ended, to be honest with you. So... You know, when they hired me, he said, well, you probably do a bit of business development, but you'll also do a bit of project management because that's where our biggest need is at the moment. And again, it's a simple example of how you can't plan these things with the best will in the world. And it, a lot of it is fate or luck or whatever you want to call it. So I worked as a, as a project manager. Um, I'd like to think in a fairly kind of agile and iterative way. Um, but again, what I felt after, you know, coming to my second year or third year, I felt it was quite limiting because, you know, obviously I was responsible for delivering something within time, budget, 
uh, and scope, but all the more creative stuff on how to do, how to get there and how to achieve certain goals that, you know, that I couldn't influence really. And that was over to, to other people. And I wanted to do more of the kind of innovative, the more strategic stuff. And I felt that as a, as a project manager, I didn't really get an opportunity um, to do so. And that's why I started learning about product management. And again, um, we're talking about 2010, 2011 here. Um, and I was really fascinated because I thought, yeah, this is it. This is it. You still get, you know, obviously this is where you work at the inter intersection of kind of the customer. You can use business knowledge because you'll be working with business stakeholders, but you'll also be deeply immersed in technology. Isn't that awesome? Because all the three things that I'm excited about and been exposed to in different shapes and forms over the few, you know, over the, over the, the years leading up to that, it felt like this is it. It's all coming together. And, and that's why I started, again, trying to move out from project management into product management. Yeah, I, I, I love this topic of <laughs> project management. Um, it, it's really funny because one of the very first few uh, roles I joined as a product manager, I discovered after about 10 days that what they actually needed was a project manager, <laughs> except they didn't know how to define the role in the best form. And product manager was a title they had heard a lot and they thought, okay, maybe a product manager does a lot more. So we'll just roll everything in 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 one particular um, you know title as such. So it's it's a very interesting view. What are your thoughts around product management, project management? Yeah. So so I think um, whether you like it or not, part of what you do as a product manager is is project or I would say delivery focus. Because by the end at the end of the day, you want to deliver things and you want to get things in the hands of customers and deliver value um and they both you know they're both absolutely val valid but i do think they serve uh different purposes and and you know probably fit different kind of um areas of of, of business or areas of work so i typically found you know things that involve hardware or you know set deadlines you know whether it's because you have to you know comply with kind of regulatory uh, obligations for instance makes sense to have a project manager who'll just say this is what we need to do it's all set in stone because it's hardware or because the regulator has told us so makes absolute sense to uh, yeah to have a project manager to oversee that and make sure that you achieve that date for instance that the regulator has set you or that your hardware manufacturer has set you um, but if you look at particularly in the world of, of software where you know that's such a as we as we both know, that's just a such a fluid kind of space and moves at such fast pace. The the focus is less on kind of deadlines and stuff. It's much more about keeping pace with with customer needs, with market movements, being being iterative, being strategic, as well as looking at the short term, which is the kind of stuff I I haven't really seen in in more traditional project management. I don't know how you feel about that, uh, but it's one of the things I love about product management, the kind of iterative aspect of it, the customer-centric aspect of it, whilst not losing sight of the overall business impact. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, I, I, I completely agree. And I think I think the field by itself has really uh, matured a lot, right, since, since probably you got exposed to it first. And um, you have actually been a massive contributor to, to, to try and mature this space. Um, at what point did you 
understand or discover that look this this space of product management leads a lot needs a lot more education and knowledge to go around yeah i think a couple of drivers for me so first of all um when i got involved with with product tank so product tank um is uh, for those of your listeners who are not familiar with it it's it's a global community not for profit buying for product managers informal meetups in over 100 cities across the globe but back in 2010 when i came across this meetup because someone mentioned it to me when i said oh i want to become a product manager said well you should go to product tank and at that stage probably was only the second meetup here in london just a bunch of people probably about 30 50 in a you know pub in london getting together just trying to figure out what product management was in the first place um so that in itself, you know, being part of that very early community and going through that journey of a very small meetup with a you know bunch of folks trying to figure out what is it that you do, what how do we call this discipline that we're doing, what does it mean to now, as you say, you know, something which is a lot more mature, being in a position where we can actually, um, and I'm, I'm quite closely involved in this as you gather do this more on a global basis where there's a lot of countries and, and locations ac uh, across the globe where there's still at the beginning of that journey that we were at um, all those years ago, uh, it has matured. There's still a lot of uh, room to grow because the other driver that made me realize uh, fairly early, early on as I started looking for, for colleagues uh, in some of my jobs and start recruiting other product managers, and as I'm sure you've experienced as well, they come in all shapes and sizes, so people who are you know, have been in product for however many years, but effectively have been working as project managers. So again, there's nothing wrong with that. But if you want someone to do a product manager job, it's no good if that person is incredibly strong on project management, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. uh, um, so, you know, and even to this day, when I speak to people, independent on the organization that they've been working in and where they've learned about product management, um, They'll have they have their own views of of, of what what that role entails. Um, whereas I obviously have been working hard um, as part of this kind of global community to, to to really establish the idea of of product management, which, like I said, in in my mind is very much about being customer centric, being focused on the business aspect of things, and being very deeply steeped in kind of technology and design and somehow trying to mesh that. Um, one of the things, and again, I don't know if you agree, I found is that, like I said, the, going back to your earlier question about product management versus project management, I think good product managers are really in a position to, to either make decisions or to be closely involved in the shaping of a, of a product strategy. So not just purely focus on the execution, but also really have a say in, prioritization in, in, like I said, looking forward, shaping the the, the life cycle and, and, and the vision for a particular product. Doesn't mean that we're rock stars and we do this all in solitude in a dark room. But uh, yeah, as a, as a product person, you can definitely play an important role in my view, at least in, in guiding and, and that, that process. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, no, I, I completely, completely agree. Um, there has been, you know, something that's been very controversial, <laughs> but I'll ask you the question nevertheless. Um, what do you feel about the phrase that product managers are like the CEOs of the product? 
Yeah, such a great debate and a, a mini CEO. <laughs> yes, we are mini CEOs, and I'll say we're not. I, you know, I think the reality is that you're not, as much as I'd like to be, you're not necessarily the, the mini CEO because that means you've got lots of people, you know, if you really want to follow that analogy you've got lots of people reporting into you you've got complete ownership over the PL, which i know a lot of us don't um or not to the extent that, that a ceo has so i always try to move away a bit from that kind of debate and focus much more on the accountability that you have as a product manager whether you call yourself a mini ceo or not but ultimately you own own the product and you're accountable for the performance of that product so in my view uh, again, forget about titles for a moment, but the buck stops with you as a product person. Um, so I can tell you quite honestly, the, 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 the times where I felt probably at my worst as a product person was where I wasn't 100% sure about what was going on with my product or something had gone wrong and I wasn't 100% sure about what happened or what caused the dip in performance or why things didn't go as we'd hoped or uh, hypothesized. Because again, I think... I'd rather talk in terms of accountability and, and that's why I say yes, as a product person you're fully accountable for the for the for the performance and the fate of your uh, product. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think that's what makes it quite amazing, right? This this field. I'm I'm sure if we keep talking we'll go on for, uh, <laughs> forever around this because I'm also really passionate about this. I think I think what really makes it amazing is like how you you mentioned sometimes you don't know what's going on 100% with your product um, but you just have to start getting comfortable with the vulnerabilities that come with it and I guess you know whatever uh, happens uh, if if you end up becoming the CEO of your company or if you end up starting a new company you know the the unknown is there everywhere but it's like you're almost training yourself to starting to get un sorry comfortable with things you don't know <laughs> yeah and, and 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 I think you're 100% right and I think it's definitely something I've learned over the years that it's okay to say I don't know, or let's try it and wait and see, or let me find out. Uh, whereas, again, going back to my MBA time, when you go through all these case studies and all these great successes and all these great formulas and frameworks and all the rest of it, so there's an element of you graduating thinking, oh, you know, something comes up. I've always got a framework to fall back upon or look at these companies. I'll just take a leaf out of their book and I'm sure it'll be fine. And as you say, the reality is a lot more volatile and unpredictable and uncertain again, particularly if you work in the digital space. Um, so I think what I've learned is, is both being able to say, I don't know, uh, but still then at least taking the responsibility and the ownership of saying, well, I'm going to find out and I'm going to fix it. You know, ultimately I see uh, product people as problem solvers, solving problems of their customers, solving business problems and, and every, anything in, in between basically, but you are uh, ultimately a problem solver. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, coming uh, like, like you correctly pointed out the, you know, what, what you gain out of some of the MBA classes and what you gain out of your career how much of your MBA time has contributed towards your success at this point of time? Yeah, that's, you know, looking back, it's always hard to even almost try to, to quantify that. 
I think what it has done for me is given me the ability to, you know, dip into other areas that prior to doing my MBA I'd never been able to, uh, you know, never been exposed to, like I said before. So if I'm now faced with a with an accounting question or, you know, putting together a business case, I'm less faced, a lot less faced, I would say. I'm not saying I'm, you know, just doing it with my eyes closed, clearly, but I'm a lot less faced by it uh, than I than I, than I would have been prior to my MBA. Same with kind of more HR-related things or marketing-related things. Again, I would never claim to be an expert in any of these areas as a result of my MBA or otherwise, but at least I feel that the, the MBA has given me a starting point where is if I, and when I need to dip into some of those fields, I can because of that, that foundation, if you like. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a really good point. So is, is that something that came out of your um, study of some of the hard skills during the MBA, like finance and accounting, um, or did it also come out of any other soft skills you might have gained? Because because um, product management is a lot about you know relationships, about you know forming uh, you know bonds with with your teammates and your colleagues. Um, do you, do you think the MBA does a good enough job, or at least in your case, did it do a good enough job to train you on certain aspects, or does MBA actually almost force you to go into this stereotypical leadership? Um, style where you have to be the boss and everyone just has to follow what you say. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to draw out, you know, what what were your learnings? <laughs> I, I think in terms of when you talk about those kind of softer skills and the collaboration skills, I, you know, I find it hard to learn, uh, especially in a in a in a in a, in a one year course where you're living in a bit of a bump bubble let's be honest you know I, I was doing it full-time you're tucked away in lovely leafy Durham with a group of people very focused on you know getting good grades and meeting all your assignments and stuff but and, and collaborating around that but that's obviously very different to being in a work situation where you know salaries at stake future of the business is at stake so uh, and and even you know softer skills that's that, to be honest with you that's a continuous learning process that's mm -hmm. that's something i do daily you know i don't think you'll ever be be perfect at, at, at soft skills that's a continuous thing i think so to answer your question no i don't think i got that from the mba uh what i did get is, is like i said that foundation that starting point and and i think the other thing which i'm sure might have been a different experience for for other mba students who might have been you know might have had a a job to go back to or uh, a more set career trajectory to go back to which I didn't have so the other thing for me that I got out of my MBA was you know hustling basically just mm. really just going for it and trying trying to create opportunities uh, even if there aren't any but just trying to create them from nothing um, you know networking with people in a way that works for me obviously um, so that's something that to this day I, I still like to do basically because you'll find a bit like you were saying before, a lot of things aren't clear cut, uh, whether it's opportunities that you want to seize on or problems that you have to solve or people that you want to meet or new, new ventures that you want to engage with. You have to, you know, in my opinion, you have to hustle um, and you have to be creative. And, and that's definitely something I picked up from, from, from doing my MBA and, and forging my, my subsequent career out of that. I see. 
interesting very interesting so I, I you know I, I can see you have a strong motivation to teach or to mentor or to give back or to contribute uh, to the community you've done that through you know the mentorship series that was run where you were a product mentor and you know you willingly accepted to come and speak on the, on the product management workshop and you're writing some really good stuff where you're trying to give back trying to teach what's what's your motivation there yeah, I think as you rightly say, I've, you know, I love, I love, you know, wouldn't even call it teaching, um, but you know, I just love kind of, you know, learning together with other people, basically. And if I, yes, if I can contribute to that shared learning purely because I've got a bit more experience or I might have a different viewpoint, I really get a lot of energy from that, um, and particularly people who are um, quite new to product management, or as I said before, have worked in a in an organization or environment where product management had a slightly different meaning to uh, the way I, I'd like to to practice product management. It's, it's, it's really exciting to get together with those people, either in a work capacity, like the guys in my team, or outside of work to, to really go on that journey together and, and be that sounding pro, uh, point for that person. So I still have those kind of relationships with people where get nothing formal, we'll speak on a regular basis, we keep in touch in between. And it's really, you know, because you know, uh, as well as I do, that being a product manager, especially if you work in a startup or in a smaller set, that can be a very lonely kind of job. You know, if you're a developer, you typically have a few uh, colleagues, or if you're on the, you know, on the commercial team, you typically have a few colleagues. But sometimes you're just the only product manager, especially if you work in a organization where there's not really a product culture, just yet, that can be 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 very lonely and frustrating so um i think also then being able to act as that person who can help you uh, if you're in that kind of lonely position a slightly isolated position to at least offer a different view or act as a sounding board that like i said that gives me a lot of energy yeah no very true very true sometimes i've i've, I've felt exactly the same thing you know Although, although you try to do the best in terms of the decisions that you make, sometimes this isn't quite big, and sometimes you're like, I wish I just had someone to bounce my ideas off. <laughs> Exactly, exactly that. Exactly that. Yeah. Absolutely. Great. Absolutely. So, you know, if if today you had the opportunity to go and you know teach or or give some tips and advice to people who are doing their MBA right now, you know, now that it's been more than a decade since you finished uh, the MBA, if you had the opportunity to go and teach something specific or or give them some kind of general advice, what what would that be? I think I probably spend some time with them on um, on the kind of softer side of uh, of, of business life um, like you said whether it's collaboration um, you know um, dealing with difficult situations and stuff if you think about it I don't know about your MBA but that's not the kind of stuff that we really talked about uh, but yeah. you know a lot of business life especially as you go up the the ladder, a lot of it comes down to, you know, not just managing products, but managing people and managing difficult situations. And I'm not sure how much an MBA prepares you for that. And again, I, like I said before, a lot of that comes from from doing it, from practicing it. You know, all their heads can, you know, hopefully help to share some of those learnings and maybe say, well, don't do as I did then because, you know, for these reasons and this is how I dealt with it. But the other thing um, is, is, like I said about the, the hustle um, 
because again, that's something that's hard to learn uh, unless you've actually had to do it because you had to change careers. You know, also don't forget in, in my case, what I think added to the hustle was that I came from a different country, which also mm. typically makes it a bit harder as well. Um, so, you know, I think that's definitely something I would love to spend time on with, 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 with current MBA students. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you're absolutely right about the hustle. In fact, in fact, sometimes I feel I'm I'm still hustling, <laughs> sure. um, because yeah. because in in my case I'm on I'm on a visa right now. So you know by by nature it becomes a little more challenging to work over here uh, instead of becoming easier. So it's it's very interesting to try and find uh, avenues of opportunity. <laughs> yeah, and 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 the other thing you know from your MBA, you know, you do these case studies and you hear about these great successful companies and you think, wow, they had a great plan and it was all structured really well and there's a certain ethos and these people, didn't they do a great job? And then you come back into the real world and think, well, it's all a bit messy, right? Where, where are the great plans? Where are the four by four matrices? You know, it's a lot more... <laughs> Absolutely. To be honest, case studies have become my favorite pet peeve nowadays. <laughs> yeah, but you see what I mean. And I think, again, that's where you're hustling and just being, whether you call it hustling or solving problems or being creative uh, in that respect, a lot of it does come back to, to, to common sense. You know, I always say about product management is a lot of it is about common sense. It's not rocket science. Um, it is about just really, you know, often just listening, then working with a, a bunch of smart people to work out, you know, solutions or look at the options. Um, but again, you get a lot of experience from doing it, not necessarily from, from doing your MBA, in my view. Yeah, absolutely. On on the flip side, you know, let's say I place you in a room which is, which is of MBA um, you know, uh, teachers or MBA admission counselors or program directors, you know, now that you have had um, some time out of your MBA, what, what are some of the key things that you think is really important for them to understand how to best prepare the students that are coming out of the MBA? Yeah, I, I, th I think it's finding that balance um, between the kind of, you know, the hard skills and the, all the great kind of frameworks and techniques and case studies and whatever you've got, which, which is all great stuff, don't get me wrong, and the kind of real world where, you know, some of those kind of, you know, um, frameworks and all the stuff that you've been learning at your MBA become obsolete, <laughs> you know, the first day, you know, you enter your new job post-MBA, so... And sometimes I found, I don't know what it was like with with some of your teachers and stuff, but, you know, they've been steeped in academia for, for quite a while. Yeah. Again, there's nothing wrong with that. But So they really had a great textbook view of the world, but they were slightly removed from, from the real world, which is often a lot more, like I said before, volatile and unpredictable than what you get in those case studies, in those frameworks and all the rest of it. So that's that's one of the things I would say. I think I would also talk to some of those program directors, as you mentioned, or is about humility. Um, you know, I have to be honest with you. Uh, it's only fairly recently. And even then uh, I picked my moments that I mentioned to people that I've done an MBA mm -hmm. for the at least first, probably five, if not more years post my MBA, I would always mumble something about, yeah, I did a, <laughs> you know, a course, you know, one year course. And if they really probed, that's yeah, business course. Cause I I've seen, some of my peers from my cohorts and other MBAs, you know, thinking, well, 
I'm like such a rock star because I've just done an MBA. And these mere mortals who've never done an MBA, I'm gonna tell them something because I've I've seen it all. I've looked at the best companies there are. I know all the frameworks. You know, they better sit down and listen. And, you know, again, I don't know if you've seen that manifest itself, but there's definitely, especially if you go into smaller companies um, and, you know, there's definitely, you know, bad stigma around MBA uh, students. So, again, that's something I would... Talk to talk to those program directors about is teaching a bit of kind of humility and, and just, just give people a, a real world view of what an MBA can add to your career and what it can't. No, absolutely, absolutely, I completely agree with you, and that's why uh, you know before we started recording, I was I was briefly mentioning to you. So, you know, after I finished my MBA, in fact, the first few months, I actively started hiding away that information. <laughs> it's it's really ironical because you know once you do your MBA, you actually want to feel proud and you want to show off, but I I quickly discovered after a lot of failures <laughs> uh, of trying in consulting and strategy and you know management um, kind of jobs that I wanted to get into but then after I got rejected I was like you know maybe that's not my area of interest anyway there's a reason I'm getting rejected and then I found product management and I realized I wanted to do internship in a few companies mm. uh, but then when I had like coffee chats as you mentioned uh, I, I just started to understand that I uh, number one, I could be perceived as overqualified, so I may not even you know be given the opportunity. Number two, MBAs have a certain amount of reputation they carry around um, that they are not hands-on, they don't like to get their hands dirty, etc. And and they're very high level, they're very strategic. But actually, I wanted to get my hands dirty. I wanted to, you know, get into nitty gritty because I didn't know how to do the work. So I actively tried to not push that agenda at all. And to be honest, since then, I've never, ever uh, pushed that particular point of view. So it's, it's I, I completely agree with you. Yeah, and I think to be fair, it depends also the environment that you go for, because you mentioned management consultancy, for instance, where I can imagine certain management consultancy firm where, you know, 90% of the people there are OMBA. So, you know, yep. in that case, it, it isn't a biggie. But if, as you say, if you go to a startup with, with five men and a dog and you're the only MBA there, you know, just have to be mindful of the fact that they haven't done an MBA and, and, and they could still be absolutely brilliant and have a lot more experience and, you know, than, than you might have purely based on, 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 on what they've done in their career. So, um, and I've seen some MBA students, you know, rightly or wrongly losing sight of that somewhat. Absolutely, absolutely. And to be honest, if I had to speak to universities today, I, I would say place a lot more emphasis on the current environment rather than something that's happened 40, 50 years ago. So imagine it'd be so much more interesting to study about Amazon or, you know, study about Airbnb and Uber. Uh, I, I know they haven't yet cracked it all, but it's really interesting to study their journey and then trying to draw parallels to the current environment because you know studying something that's happened way in the past doesn't necessarily prepare you for something that's happening right now no absolutely i absolutely agree again you can still pick some fundamentals of what, what we did 40 50 years ago but i think it, it's really important to have an open mind and have a realistic worldview when you leave your mba and be prepared for that yeah yeah absolutely uh amazing so and and you know that that covered you know some tips for the current students and and um, 
and and the college per se now how about you know people who are considering doing the MBA or maybe on the fence and they're not entirely sure of whether they want to do it and they think they want to do it for a particular reason but you know it, it could be something else what are what are some of your tips to such kind of people um, who are not yet sure that they even want to do MBA so so I think that, that is a very good question. I think the first thing that comes to mind is to really be open and honest with your with yourself and, and challenge yourself. And if you're struggling to challenge yourself on things like what's the return on investment of my MBA, what do I expect to get out of my MBA and how realistic is it, what's my end goal? Because at the end of the day, an MBA is a means to an end, right? So it's important that you're clear on what that end is. Um, like I said, I think that's one of the things I learned and that's one of the risks I took. And in hindsight, I might have done differently where I didn't necessarily have an end in mind, basically. And, you know, it's a big investment for just doing something without a kind of clear vision. So I think it's it's important to challenge yourself and constantly ask your questions. Again, if you're not convinced to say, what is my end goal? How will my MBA get, get me there? And are there any alternative routes? And then just treat it as, you know, like you would assess any opportunity. You look at the costs, you look at the impact, you look at the trade-offs you, and you explore the options. And again, if, if you feel like you don't have all the knowledge to do so or you struggle to do it, just get some people that you trust or that been down a certain route, have got experience in a certain field or might have achieved the end goal that you've got in mind and have already done it and, you know, to, to learn from their journeys and maybe have them ask you those challenging questions to help you make up your mind. Yeah, good point, very good point. Monk, you obviously do a lot of recruitment yourself, right? So let's say you come across some CVs and you see people who have an MBA and, and people who don't have an MBA. Now for those who do have an MBA, what are some of your expectations um, from, from, from certain individuals? Would you expect them to either know or not know something? I mean, the, the, how do you perceive that kind of a situation? Yeah, I don't, to be very honest with you, I don't have any special expectations when I see, you know, someone who's done an MBA, you know, it's great, don't get me wrong, but you know, it doesn't, I don't expect anything else, I just, I'm much more interested in what happened afterwards and what they did during their MBA, and, and even when I talk about what did they do during their MBA, I'm not even talking about their curriculum. I'm talking about any interesting side projects that they did, whether they did some work experience or an internship or whether they looked into specific topics or developed business cases. I find that much more interesting than the MBA itself. But to be honest with you, those are the kind of things I would look out for with any candidate, not just MBA candidates, but just generally people, you know, I typically find that people have kind of, interesting side projects or quirky kind of interests or, you know, done something beyond just their day job and slightly out of the ordinary, whatever that is, always, you know, um, yeah, tickles my interest a bit more, I guess. Yeah, no, absolutely. That That's that, that's really good to hear. Again, this is not the first time we're listening on the show either. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it looks like it's a common theme, which is, which is very good, which is very, um, you know, interesting and inspiring because, to be honest, it's you, you always need something to, to keep your creativity going, uh, whatever that may be. So it's always good to uh, explore that. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Perfect. Mark, what's next for you personally? 
Yeah, that's that's such a, an open question. Like I said, uh, I found my calling in product management. I absolutely uh, love that field. So hopefully I'll be able to, to stay in that field for the years to come. Um, as you say, as you said before, I would love to continue not only practicing, but also doing the kind of, yeah, if you want to call it teaching or mentoring, you know, just that, not even just giving back, but just continuing my journey through through others, basically learning from their journeys and working together through certain challenges and stuff. So uh, I definitely hope to be able to do more of that on top of, you know, practicing product management as I do on a, on a daily basis. Yeah, yeah, great. I'm, I'm, I'm still uh, in pursuit of trying to push a structured, dedicated product management course in MBA classes. Let's see how yeah. that goes. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's an interesting one because, you know, and I've heard people talking about certification for, for product management, but I think the reality is particularly maybe, you know, I don't know if that goes for every country, but definitely speaking for the for the UK and I think even for the US, it's not you know it still means different things to different people and different organisations. Uh, and I would argue that a lot of the kind of fundamentals in my mind, even coming back to your question, what do you recruit for, are more soft skills, things like curiosity and creativity and entrepreneurialism, which are things that are very hard to teach or to certify. If you get my drift. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I completely, I completely agree with you. That's why even I, I get a little skeptical when you know people say they've done product owner certification, etc. And I'm like, but what does that mean? <laughs> yeah, I, th I think if you break it down, you know, there's lots of great courses and, and workshops out there that deal with certain segments and certain aspects of product management, whether it's a course on how to do effective stakeholder management or do run design sprints. I think that's really useful because that's all part of that kind of product manager toolkit. And it's up to you as a product person and the organization that you're part of to, to figure out how big or how small that toolkit needs to be or how much you need to use of it or for how little. Uh, so there's a lot of kind of more practical stuff uh, that you can, you can learn, but I think from from that to you know certifying product management um, as a discipline, that, that to me at the moment that still feels like quite a jump. Yeah, yeah, no, completely, completely agreed. Like I said, if we talk about product management, I think we can go on forever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But like I said, there's a, there's a lot of good 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 providers that do a lot of really good, more targeted training and I'm, I'm, and I'm all for that. I'm all for that. Yeah, fair enough. Great, great point. Um, I think I am. That's all I wanted to get from you, Mark. Um, maybe maybe this is the last point. Um, is there anything I you wish I asked you? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I was hoping you'd ask me, like, if I could give you the kind of... Uh, silver bullet of what makes the perfect product manager Ooh, do we have a silver bullet okay mark is there a silver bullet um for being a good product manager uh it's interesting because i said perfect and you said good so that that's an <laughs> observation see that's what my trick question and i was hoping you'd ask me the trick question no i think i think because we've been talking quite a bit about you know things you can learn during an MBA, things you learn from, from on the job, whether you're product manager or not, but particularly when you focus it on in a bit more on, on product management, uh, what makes a perfect product manager? I think my honest answer is he or she doesn't exist. Um, 
But what I do think makes a, a good product manager and what some of the key skills that I think do make up a good product manager is someone who is who's curious, who can collaborate, who can iterate and really can translate that curiosity and that kind of problem solving ability into into concrete action and really deliver value both for for customers and for the business. Great. Absolutely great. Great answer. I think I think I'm just going to edit that particular segment and shout about it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is only my view because again, this Ask any other product manager and have a different opinion on it. But that's why I was curious to see whether you would ask me that question. So when you gave me the opportunity, I thought, let me ask the question. Yeah, yeah. I think I think I think I've been been in the space for for too long now to know that there is no perfect, like you said. So it this never even occurred to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, fair, fair, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> Great, Mark. Um, Thanks a lot uh, for your time, Mark. It's 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 9:30 p.m. in the UK, so it's obviously I've taken a lot of your family time to come on this show. Um, but then, if if anyone wants to get in touch with you, what would you recommend? So, like you said, um, uh, you can find me Mark Abram on on LinkedIn. Um, if there's a few Mark Abrams, I work at a company called World First. If that makes the search easier, on Twitter, it's M A One fairly easy same on medium so those are the the best three places where you can find me absolutely and and if you are anywhere in the uk or if you come down to london you can probably find mark in any of the product events (laughs) Uh, yeah Yeah, no absolutely and the, the one thing i would say is also i've got my own site you mentioned my blog which is another good place if you want to learn you know just pick up some of the things that we talked about today because i write about those things um not just only talk about them which is mark abraham mark with the c mark abraham one word dot com uh, so that's another place and as you said uh, avinash it's you know lots of product tech related events mind the product conference you'll definitely find me there absolutely absolutely or or you know you can always email me at avinas at com, and i'm more than happy to pass the reference across to mark and if it looks good uh, mark can get in touch with you absolutely it would be my absolute pleasure thank you so much for having me it was great fun no problem mark take care have have fun thanks a lot you too take care take care hi again folks i hope you enjoyed that episode as much as i did Before you go away, I have a special offer for you. For only 5 people, I'm offering a free consultation session on any questions you have regarding the MBA application and the MBA journey. As you know, I've spoken to several people regarding their MBA journeys. So, if you have any questions, I'm more than happy to help you along this. It doesn't matter which phase you are in, whether you're in the research phase or discovery phase, or whether even you're asking yourself the question of whether such an MBA degree is even valuable for you at all. It doesn't matter. As I keep saying, you know, I'm running the show because I wish I had something like this when I was making my MBA decision. I did not. I had to learn the hard way. And as you've heard from a lot of our guests, many of them had to learn the hard way. I'm trying to see how I can add value to your decision making. If this sounds interesting to you, please email me at avinas at com, or just go to the website com and contact me through that. Or you can even reach across me on Twitter. My handle is at avinas bajaj s. Very simple. 
as I said, this is just for five people. I wish I could do a lot more, but uh, because of my other time commitments, I want to start off simple. Anyway, thanks again for listening, folks. Until next time, bye bye. Thank you for listening to the MBA Jam. Now it's time for you to take action. Head over to the MBAJam.com to listen to more episodes and discover great resources.